Fans of the Dynasty Invest podcast, if you feel like there was one particular episode in the back catalogue in the anthology of Dynasty Invest podcast episodes that really, really, really was massively valuable to you, feel free to share that with a fellow dental colleague who's in a similar position so their understanding of finance can be elevated and they can hit the next level of financial success in their life. Also, as well as that, if you could take two seconds to rate and review this podcast, it would mean the world to me. What that would mean is that it drives this podcast further in terms of reach so that more dentists across the world can be able to benefit from the knowledge contained therein. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Dentists Who Invest podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Dentist Invest podcast. Super excited for this episode today. This has been in the pipeline for flipping ages, hasn't it, Mide? Two busy men trying to align their schedules. It's zero fun whatsoever, but we finally, finally got each other on this Zoom together. The stars have aligned. The universe has coalesced in this very moment, Mide, for this podcast that we have been waiting for. I'm excited. I hope you're excited as well. Yeah, thanks for having me, James. I mean, obviously, we've been talking for months now, so it's a real honour to be here. Yeah, looking forward to chatting. Cool, my man. So we were just chatting beforehand, before we hit the record button, and we were kind of bouncing ideas off each other for the title of this podcast, because here's what I often do. I often speak to the guests beforehand, and I say, if you could name this podcast and give it a title, what would that be? And then we work backwards from the content from there, because if the co- if the title is exciting enough, then the content that leads us to create content which works around that, which makes the content by extension exciting. So we decided we call this podcast Accidental Entrepreneur, didn't we, Mide? Yeah, I think that's that resonates very, very much um, with me. Um, a lot of things happen by accident, but maybe they're not an accident, you know? Maybe it was always the plan, but Ooh. yeah, you know what I mean? Sometimes you don't plan them, but it happens. But actually, maybe it's not an accident. So I think the title's correct, but who knows? Who knows? Well, this is it. If we're going to get all deep and philosophical, was this part of the master plan all along? But all, all we know is that it happened, right? And we also just wanted to put in a small disclaimer at the start. We're going to use the word entrepreneur somewhat reluctantly, almost for lack of a better word. Do you know what I mean? Because I know that that word in itself not everybody gets along with that word and everybody, some people think it's a little stuffy, but I suppose what we mean is individual who is growing a business from scratch, who's out there trying to make it work, making it happen in the business world. And for lack of a better word, we'll use the word entrepreneur. If that's okay, Mide, if that sounds good yeah. to you. No, totally. Cause I think obviously we come from a healthcare background, don't we? So we don't get taught classically what, an entrepreneur is so I think you know there are certain character traits of an entrepreneur and maybe they come out when then you know when it's like the mother of necessity isn't it you know and when you really don't have another choice you kind of find out that you're an entrepreneur and I think that's how I would resonate I don't I always felt that like I wanted to but I definitely didn't have any training and then um I was always waiting for someone to give me an opportunity and then I realized I had to do it for myself and that's when I guess you figure it out, don't you? And you either sink or you swim. And you know what we're alluding to? We're basically alluding to your story, aren't we? We're kind of dangling the carrot in a way. So I'm so keen to get right in there and hear where it all started. 
Yeah, man. Um, yeah, I mean, so obviously, um, you know, going way back, I, I trained in Newcastle um, in 2000. I qualified in 2005. You know, like many of us, you know, university is that big melting pot, isn't it, of meeting people from different sort of races, places, different accents, of course, with the Geordies. And um, yeah, I had a great time. Um, it was it was the perfect area for me because um, I, I was sort of, my parents um, lived in, Lincolnshire which there's not a lot going on there and um, I moved to um, a big city a bigger city so it was the perfect balance I think if I'd gone somewhere that was um, too big I may not have flourished sorry my little boy's just coming so you might hear <laughs> you might hear him screaming in the background um, yeah and um, you know Newcastle was just the right size city for me to sort of flourish um, but Again, I'm going to say some slightly controversial things. Um, in the Northeast, um, you know, it's a very much um, um, an NHS-focused dental experience. So, you know, hospital-led NHS focus. So that model is very clear. And because of that, I, you know, I, I think I've just learned how to be a good dentist. And then I'll never forget moving down south um, to, um, to um, the Surrey area. And I went for the interview and I heard people talking about, like, money. And I was like, what 300 pounds for a crown at the time I, on my interview somebody was like 300 pounds for a crown I was like no way 300 how do you even say those words and you know it comes down to your character my parents for example would never spend that kind of money on their teeth at the time so it wasn't natural to me so you know first you have to learn about yourself you have to learn how to value yourself and know your worth and truthfully I'm sure this James you'll agree with this but as a dentist you're in a room with a nurse and a patient and you don't know how to measure how good you are at anything and you know they say isn't it you know and ten thousand hours to be an expert at anything and I think dentistry we learn on our patients and that period between knowing what you are and like where you start it's quite a scary experience would you would you not say definitely you know I remember when I went to private practice at the very start and the crowns were 650 and I'd only ever sold crowns at 250 my whole life because that was the NHS price. And what what I didn't have the labels, what I didn't have the terminology to use to describe it at the time, the, the terminology I needed was it was too far outside my comfort zone. But all I knew was there was this icky feeling about saying 650 quid, right? Whereas at least when you have a label for what it is, you can know how to overcome it. And you're like, oh, this is the thing. It's not just me, right? So 650 quid in my head, was way too far outside the comfort zone. It became 550, somewhere between my brain and my mouth, right? By the time it left my mouth, it was 450, okay? right? Yeah. That was the crown price. And here's the thing, yeah. totally psychological. There's nothing physical stopping us saying 650, apart from the fact that we think it's too much, unless yeah. we know and appreciate our value. Absolutely. No, I think that's it. And I think also the big one with dentists is that, you know, it's healthcare, and people genuinely don't like coming to the dentist. So depending on your personality type, many of us want to please our patients. We don't want to hurt them and we want them to like us. So one of the ways to make them like you is don't hurt them and then make it cheaper or make it palatable. Um, and I think that's something I struggled with right the way through. And I think even after owning or starting my own business, I was still struggling with that mindset. And, you know, that's why I say the, the word entrepreneur if you're trained to be an entrepreneur, you most probably know your metrics. You you value the service or you have to value it because you're working backwards. Whereas 
I'm just trying to sell being a nice guy. If I'm honest, that's, that's kind of what I'm trying to do. And um, I think it was, there was a point in time when I realized that actually, you know, I'm, I'm really good at what I do being a nice guy. People like me and they come to see me. And I think many of us dentists feel that at some point, and then there, there can be a value in that. And that's where the entrepreneurial um, journey sort of started. Okay. I'm all ears. And you know what? I have a terrible habit for jumping in with anecdotes from my own life on <laughs> these exact things and the points in time where I learned these things. But people who listen to the podcast have already heard me waffle on so i'm going to do exactly the opposite of that today and zip my lips and let you continue and tell tell everyone how these how these moments of inspiration came about for you or what are these things that changed your thinking yeah sure i'll try and keep it brief and i'll summarize so let's say from um graduation to um, a house job in max Fax, from a house job in max Fax to an nhs associate and that's where you cut your teeth and you know build the skills that we're talking about then after maybe six years of that um i always felt there was a ceiling and then i got a private practice job and then in that private practice job um so it's in a great practice called 10 dental in in central london and that's when i learned how to you know upsell or at least talk about prices more confidently but then within that practice I was fortunate enough that you know I I became the go-to clinician for certain procedures and you get this workflow you know and you get good at it you get good at it you get good at it and I think once you have that confidence that's when you can start saying okay well you know what's next and I'd already been looking at you know practice acquisition and quite simply you know I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth so financially I was struggling to raise funds to buy an existing practice and that's when I started looking at the idea of setting up my own practice. And at the time, there wasn't really much out there. There were a couple of courses and a couple of business coaches or mentors. And, but and everyone was. Sorry to yeah. jump in. I'm just curious. Circa what sort of time span was this? Like what year was this yeah. roughly? So this would be 2015 now. Right, so okay. sort of 10 years qualified, you know, mm-hmm. with a couple of years of house jobs, sort of eight years after so I think I was around about early 30s you know maybe 30 31 cool. and um there was a reason actually that made me do all of this because I was working for um in in, an, in a mixed practice at the time and the owner sold the practice to like a mini corporate and you know they often need to be like a trigger and I was always waiting for someone to give me a leg up and say oh you know I'll help you out or I'll make you the main associate or you know I was always waiting for that validation and then the owner of the business, um, I, I, I won't say names, but his son came into the business. And the way that he looked at me that day, like the son, was like, you're nothing. You're like, like, I own you. And that was the trigger for me to go, hold on. I'm busting my gut here. I'm growing this business for your business. And yet I'm just a number. I'm just a metric. And I, that was the day I decided I'm not doing this anymore. And um, as I said, you know, fast forward a few years, um, I put all my eggs in. I found um, an empty, um, disused Indian restaurant. It had been empty for two or three years. Um, And again, you know, we can go into the details later, but, you know, there are certain metrics you need, you know, location, footfall. But the big thing is you need these kind of push and pull factors. You need more positives than negatives. And um, I think some people do like, you know, uh, you know, draw like a, a graph or a diagram and you weigh them all up. And, you know, it was my wife that actually found this building and she was like, you know what, I think this could work. And um, yeah, we, we went all in. 
we didn't have much money, as I said. We had actually remortgaged our house to do um, a loft extension. And I had this money in the bank and I was like, right, I can do the loft and make my wife happy. <laughs> or I can put all that money into this business and hopefully make my wife happy eventually. And um, yeah. Has that happened is, yet? You know, Has that happened yet? Um, yeah, yeah we're almost there. We're almost there. <laughs> <laughs> we're almost there. But no, no, no. And um, yeah, you know, it was one of those, you know, one of those um, sliding door moments. You know, you can go one way, you can go left or right. Uh, I'm sure we've all watched that film, Sliding Doors. And yeah, you know, I'm glad I did it. I'm glad I went through it. Um, is it easy? No. I mean, I've made so many mistakes. But the funny thing is, I keep making different mistakes. But um, what I've experienced and, you know, I've enjoyed the journey. And um, yeah, as I said, I think there is a way if you're if you're good with people, there is a value in that. And I think as dentists, you can, that can be an asset. And, and business as well. Like it's 90% dealing with people. Like, you know, when I started doing all of this, you know, I thought to myself, oh, well, it's just me and a laptop is less dealing with people than business, than, sorry, than, yeah. than dentistry. Actually, it's more than ever, you know, but here's the thing. I, I like that. I feel like that plays to my strengths. And I just wanted to say something on what you were saying earlier you know that squeeze zone that you can put yourself in, right? Here's the thing, right? Most of us spend our whole life trying to avoid the squeeze zone where our back's against the wall, financially, knowledge-wise, in terms of our business, right? Now, here's the thing. Yeah. So do you, so? Oh, I'm referring to, you know, when you were basically all in on this dental practice, right? By the way, special place in my heart for people who go all in in business, okay? <laughs> special <laughs> place in my heart because it's make or break, isn't it? It's sink or swim, you know? Oh, yeah. what I mean? And here's the thing, you might sink, okay? It might not work out, right? Here's the real power. It's to recognize we're in the, when we're in the squeeze zone. Actually, that's probably where we're learning the most and we'll learn the most the fastest. Therefore, when it does work out, because even if that thing doesn't work out, the next thing has a higher probability and a higher probability still. And to reframe all these things as opportunities to grow and learn and improve, right? When it works out, the sooner we can do that to ourselves is actually the sooner we gain that wisdom. And then we get the compounding returns on that wisdom. And we're also more likely to be able to pull the business off and therefore unlock the compounding returns of business as well. Because one of the, one of the principles of compound and the sooner we start is the sooner we unlock the returns that are associated with that. Yeah, no, that, that makes, makes sense. sense. Does, that, does that make yeah, sense? No, yeah, totally, totally. Perfect sense, man. I think you're right. It's the fear that stops us from um, sort of jumping sometimes, isn't it? Yeah. And here, the powerful thing is to realize that the fear, the thing that that the fact that we don't want to go there because of fear is actually the probably the place where we'll learn the most. But anyway, I don't mean to jump in. Tell me what happened next after the dental practice being opened. Yeah, so building work done, doors opened. And again, no, no entrepreneurial skills really other than trying to be a nice guy. So, you know, I think one of the first things is try to ingratiate yourself with the local community. So we did everything, you know, like leaflet drops, went to the local coffee shops, met the local estate agents, all of that. But, you know, um, the biggest thing with our business model was um, having a good location. So as I said about, you know, push-pull factors, um, if you've got family, if you've got kids, if you've got um, um, a, a locality, you know, trying to trying to get something in there that can sort of stimulate, you know, your presence. So I was fortunate that my kids went to school locally. So, you know, I did a couple of talks with the school. I did a couple of, um, I think, like, you know, 
some affairs and all of that kind of thing. And you really have to be someone that's prepared to put yourself out there. I don't think we can sit in um in our in our box in our surgery and expect people to just walk in. Um, of course you can pay for marketing as well. We didn't do a lot of that actually initially because um we just grew organically. And then again, obviously, like getting the right team, that was a challenge because initially I, I, I went through like Gumtree and I would be Googling and searching and, you know, somebody would be like, oh, dental nurse, amazing. And there's a reason why they're putting their job, their CVs on Gumtree probably. And um, I went through some, I mean, I could tell you some stories, man, of like people leaving halfway through the day saying that they had issues and they had problems. I had a crown prep straight after, no nurse you know, receptionist calling in, you know, it's everything that you could imagine, you know, did happen. Um, but again, you know, it's just a journey. Um, and one thing I think as well that I found really hard is I was too um, emotionally involved. I still am, but at the beginning it was, because it's your baby and you, you, it means so much to you. When you realise that no one really can care as much as you, it's actually quite liberating because you're like, you see it from their side or you see it with their eyes. And um, even as an associate, I think as associates, you know, no associate, not, not no, not that many associates care as much as a principal. Right. What I mean by that is they've got to take care of themselves and their and, and their, you know, their patients. But there's so much more to it, you know, like and when you're and so when you're a principal some of the things that you worry about you know how much how many micro brushes have you used on this prep you know little things because um yeah you know it, it's just an it's just a crazy experience um so what i would say is that you know the first two years i ran the business like this you know finger in the air get more people in treat as many of them as you can um you know ultimately the best customer service I could I could offer and so you know we went the extra mile we made sure the practice smells nice looks nice all of that kind of thing super clean you know follow-ups feedback all of that we 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 did well and then actually and two years into the practice I realized that okay look you can keep just trying to get more people in or you can actually start structuring it like a business so um i'm very fortunate i met a guy called andy mcdougall from um, a company called spot on finance oh yeah 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 he's a good guy that's just a legend i mean he, he just helps that's why i say accidental entrepreneur because he's like okay well you've done really well you've got the business up to a point now but is it a business so then again he's been working with me and my team he's empowered my practice manager to start you know looking at the metrics looking at the numbers and we're not perfect by any stretch we're still very new as a business we're five years in but what we now have is we have someone to basically and I think this is important for anyone that's going to do do this kind of business you know get it started on your own steam but then start to streamline and delegate as well because you know, I'm not I'm not the best with all the numbers, for example. So my wife actually does a lot of our finance and she does deals with all the payments. And my practice manager deals with the you know the HR and the CQC and the day to day. And then I do the sort of the face, the customer facing and, you know, growing our reputation across different um, different um, media and different streams. So, yeah, that's kind of where we're at, at the moment. Very cool. So that's the whole practice side of things. And then, of course, there's this whole other hemisphere to what you do, which is smile fast. How did that come about? Because here's the thing. Practice, ownership, brilliant, amazing, so cool. Lots of dentists get into that. And then the smile fast is like a really 
interesting voyage into the unknown because not many people tend to create something alongside their dental practice. What was the squeeze? What pushed you to create SmileFast? What precipitated that action? Yeah, um, honestly, again, it's an accident. But I think, you know, I'm a real big believer in, you know, if you feel or see a problem, then somebody else will have the same problem. And I think you know, a bit of strength in numbers, you know, I was doing um, clinical work a certain way and it became quite laborious and quite stressful. Um, you know, cosmetic dentistry is a thing. OK, um, you know, all the studies show that like more than 50 percent of people have a hang up about their teeth. So that's a huge market. So patients want a nicer smile. Many of them don't know how to get it. Many of them think it's going to be incredibly um, unaffordable. And then here's the thing from the dentist side. We have the stress of achieving it, doing it consistently and doing it in a way that our patients would like. So this is the problem that I had. You know, you could either go down the ceramic route and you know prep the teeth, which has issues and then obviously cost implications. And I was thinking, is there, there's got to be another way using technology. There's got to be another way to make people's smiles better and more consistent. So I met um, Tom Seeley. Tom is just one of these really annoying dentists. He looks at a tooth and it turns into like the Mona Lisa. You know, I hate him. You know, when That's you see not fair. It, it's really, not fair, is it? No, it's not a lot, is it? But he's just a genius. But the problem is for Tom, even though he was an incredibly talented um, dentist, the time that it was taking to achieve these kind of consistent results meant that it wasn't profitable. So we have two sides of the same problem, you know, we've got to get a solution where we can do it better, but actually it's got to work. So that's how SmileFast started. So Tom and I sat down and, um, you know, I was sort of trying to think of it from the business side of things and saying, well, actually, on a day-to-day practice, this is what I need. I need a portal where I can submit my cases, where I can discuss cases, I can plan cases. From there, I need a workflow. And that's how sort of SmileFast came. And then Tom would be in his in his um, shed. I think he's still got the shed. And he would go and say, oh, maybe if we make it like this, if we can do this and do that. And then with the digital dentistry, we were able to create, you know, the first iteration of the SmileFast stent. Tried it on, actually, I think it was a practice manager at the time. You know, she wasn't happy with her teeth. Uh, her daughter was getting married. And I had a nurse at the time who hated dentistry. I don't know if you've ever had a nurse like that. She doesn't want to be there anymore. She's done, right? And she hated dentistry because she'd kind of seen it all over and over again. And we did this smile fast case. And I remember taking off the stent and she just looked at me and her mouth dropped. And that's when I realized, actually, we're onto something here because it gave us, you know, the results. And, you know, she actually had smile fast herself, the nurse afterwards. So, it gave us results that weren't possible freehand or weren't consistently possible freehand. And um, that was basically the start of it. And again, it's been a learning curve, a learning journey. We've made some, you know, really big advancements in September last year. We released a second version of the stent. Um, we've got some um, great collaborations with some other companies, um, Ivoclar, um, boutique whitening now as well and these things have just really been um, allowed us to have an ecosystem which again without sounding sort of um, too sort of um, big about it it's there to help dentists 
And we are dentists, we're wet finger dentists. We we live this problem. It's helping us. And then by extension, if we can give dentists a path a platform or a pathway, it can help them as well. So again, I need to be very clear though, one of the big things about SmartFuss is it's not for every case. We're not selling it as like a oh, they, you know, we're not trying to sort of commoditize it. We're genuinely trying to help the dentists. But by extension, patients are now asking for SmartFast because they understand it as an option. Very cool. How long has it been up and running since that very first case? Yeah, so 2018 was um, when the first case. So that's four years now. And um, yeah, it was, as I said, it started just at the same time as the practice was starting. And I had a little um, baby as well. So <laughs> a lot of things in one in one, one time. But um, it's been a, a whirlwind. Um, you may know now that we've actually launched in the United States. And interestingly, although they're ahead in a lot of things, I think they're, you know, their resin, their composite resin, is underused and I think they're now actually seeing it and again it's interesting if you ask a room of 20 or 30 dentists you know what would you do would you do would you prep this case would you do additive um composites I think out of 20 probably 18 or 19 will always say they'd rather not prep so I think it's something that we we all believe in inherently if we can do it consistently and accurately enough yeah they're all about their porcelain out there right yeah 20 veneers Yeah, big yeah. time, big time, and not afraid to chop yeah. a little bit of enamel like like us Brits. No, <laughs> I mean it's not it's not illegal, is it? Kind of <laughs> yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's, it's like, not. But it's sorry, I should. Yeah. I'm being I'm being slightly facetious. Uh, certainly, no. they're more open to the idea, whereas we're ultra conservative. But here's the thing: there's pros and cons to both. Sometimes when you're too conservative, we arrest, they flip and fail. You know, it's it's the balance between removing enamel and longevity, and there's a sweet spot always. Yeah, and I think it's a question of what would you do first. You know, and I think many times a lot of people would actually do the more conservative first, with the anticipation that later down the line you are going to need to prep these teeth anyway. But you know, composite gives us that initial treatment plan. This podcast is obviously all about entrepreneurship, and here's the thing: I always find that from the outside looking in, there was so many misconceptions I had, so to speak, about the journey, and there was there was stuff that I realized as I went through it that I look back and I was like, "Oh, it's so liberating now that I know that." I wish other people could see what I can now see. What do you think for yourself if you were to just harken back on that previous version of Me Day versus what you've learned now? What were the biggest revelations or the biggest? things that you wish you could go back and tell me day pre-starting your dental practice pre-starting smile fast oh yeah great question i mean the first thing i think is yeah just take a breath and um, not try to like put so much into everything you do and force other people to do it with you you've really got to take people along with you on the journey um so that's something i learned the hard way you know like maybe being super intense you know just wanting it so much and um, that's been the biggest thing um valuing myself i think ultimately i probably undervalued a lot of what i did and i probably still do to an extent that may come down to personality i don't like to overcharge or overvalue everything but i think maybe starting to appreciate that you know what do it once and do it right and that might mean that you have to spend a bit more time and you know charge a bit more as well that's something i've i've learned and it's helped me um other things that i've learned um well i was going to say work life balance so that's not true i haven't learned that yet but um no just just i was saying actually before we started um the problems will always be there um i've started to learn to just focus on the first one 
So I have a load of things going on, but do this one and do it now and fit, do it properly. So I've started being a lot better at that. And then the biggest thing I have learned from business though, um, this is something that's changed massively in my mindset is if there's a problem or I need to do something, I do it straight away. I don't procrastinate half as much. So if I've got like 10 things and somebody says something, I do it now. So if I need to make a a business meeting or a call or I just do it. And um, I've learned that action. I don't have to overthink it. I just do it. And that's been massively liberating for me. Real quick, guys, I've put together a special report for dentists entitled The Seven Costly and Potentially Disastrous Mistakes That Dentists Make Whenever It Comes to Their Finances. Most of the time, dentists are going through these issues and they don't even necessarily realize that they're happening until they have their eyes opened. And that is the purpose of this report. You can go ahead and receive your free report by heading on over to www.dentistuinvest.com forward slash podcast report. Or alternatively, you can download it using the link in the description. This report details these seven most common issues. However, most importantly, it also shows you how to fix them. I'm really looking forward to hearing your thoughts. On that specific thing, I feel like that's one of the greatest things that holds people back is that we act like we've got more time than we actually do particularly if we've got big dreams okay because really every second counts right here today if you've got big dreams right these huge things take decades to grow so you've got to start right so with regards to what you just said it's very powerful to be able to create an association in your head between what you have to do the repetitive day-to-day small tasks like creating the meeting and blah 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 and that overall goal that you're trying to achieve so look at the overall goal realize how that will make you feel in terms of being happy and positive or also realize how it will make you feel if you don't achieve it right and you know that happiness or that emotional pain associate that with not doing these little tiny tasks and you've just biohacked your brain to get so much shit done it's insane that works for me no i totally agree i totally agree and it's it is i think sometimes we end up just yeah procrastinating or just overthinking it or just going i'll get back to it later i I just do it and then it's done and then and then i move on i mean there is a problem in that though because i think you can become over efficient and now sometimes you know my wife's like how have you done you know 10 things and maybe sometimes i think there is a danger in becoming a bit of a robot just kind of like taking on things and doing them so that's the bit i'm working on with myself you know maybe having a switch off i need to i need to dial that in as well That's cool, man. I totally understand. There'll be a lot of people out there listening to this who are teetering on the brink of starting a dental practice, creating their own business. What is the greatest thing that you could say to those people to put the wind in their flipping sails? Um, The greatest thing when you're starting is, I'm going to say, make sure you're ready because it's one of these things a lot of people start and they're not ready. So you need to get your skill set right. You need to know that whatever comes in through the door, you can deal with. Because ultimately, you're a one-man band at the beginning. So if you're not competent or confident to deal with what's going to come in, just wait, take your time, invest in yourself first, get that bit right, and then you can grow from there. I'm talking specifically to, obviously, a type of dental practice, so a squat practice. Buying an existing business, I'm sure there are things you can pick up and you can get other people to help you with. 
But ultimately, when you recognize that no one will ever care as much about your business success as you will, no matter what that is, be it your accountant, be it your financial advisor, whatever, when you realize that it's on you, then you need to be ready to take it all on. And I think some of us, I know some people call me up and a few of my buddies and like I t- I, within five minutes, I just say, you're not ready. I don't put the phone down, but I'm like, just don't do it. You're not ready. And yeah, yeah. And um, a couple of guys, they've now gone on. And one of them, um, uh, Dr. Ali um, in Swansea, he says the story all the time. He said, I was so rude to him the first time. He was like, you just, you just shut me down. And he went, it was the best thing that happened to him. Because now, you know, two years or three years later, he's got a beautiful practice. He's got it. But he's ready. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing I can tell people. Just make sure that when you're ready, you go. Not like, oh yeah, I think I'll be fine and then I'll make it up. So yeah, that's that's something that's quite um, important, I think. It's cool, man. Thanks so much. I love these sorts of podcasts where I have someone who's been successful in business and achieved things as my guest because when we speak on a specific subject which has been relevant to your success, then what it means is your words carry gravity because you've literally walked in those shoes and you can't get that wisdom from anywhere else. And I feel like that's why Dentistry Invest and the podcast and all of the stuff that we do on there bring this totally different angle of education to dentistry because like I say, otherwise these stories just don't get told and this wisdom never gets imparted. So thank you for that. Well, I'm going to throw something back at you, James, actually. So I think, you know, you used the word success there, which I think is really kind, because I think from the outside and again on social media, you know, people would say that I'm successful. You know, I've got a practice. I've actually got a second practice coming. I've got Smile Fast, you know, and what is success? I mean, financial success, you know, emotional success. I think the truth is, this is why, you know, I'm really glad that we're talking with you, because I, you know, the reason I gravitate to you a lot is actually success and financial freedom as you've mentioned you know before is actually really important and I think there's a lot of us that work too hard or work incredibly hard I do believe that mental health in in dentistry is the thing um I can you think of another industry where you have to deal with 20 to 30 clients a day in a high level stressful procedure and then you have to do an operation on them then they have to pay you then they have to be happy with the service then you have to manage your nurse and your receptionist it's mental. It's really crazy. You know, there'll be other industries where a lawyer, you know, you sit on the phone. I mean, you have your stresses, of course you do, but you're not dealing with 20 or 30 clients doing the same procedure. And then the fact is you can get sued if you do it wrong. So dentistry is a unique and it's a crazy industry. And I think success, you know, I think, I'm, you know, I probably say, James, you know, I'm not completely successful. You know, I need to learn from you. I need to learn how I can make, you know, financial, bits of financial success actually make my life better. And I think that's where I'm still in the journey, you know. Um, Working harder doesn't mean happier or smarter. So um, I just, yeah, I just thought I'd mention that because, you know, I really admire you for what you're doing. I think you're giving people like, you know, different, a different way, especially in our healthcare industry. Thanks, bro. You know, that that really means a lot. And I think you've highlighted something really important there, which is what is success, right? And here's the thing. Unless we make a conscious decision about what our success looks like, here's what happens. We're inadvertently following someone else's predetermined idea of success for us. And what does that mean? What does that mean? It means that we might be working in someone else's business, building their business, 
consistently contributing to a savings account because we feel like we should or someone has imposed that idea upon us or suggested it to us and we kind of are semi-conscious we semi-consciously think oh well that sounds like a good idea that's what everybody else is doing but is that what we want you with me yeah Yeah, and you're right life is about happiness first and foremost it just so happens that when we increase our wealth is one of the simplest ways to get back our time which allows us to do the things that we want and therefore are more likely to be happy. The point is not having the money, so to speak. The point is what we can use the money to obtain. Are you with me? And it just so happens that understanding financial freedom and the methods that we can use to get there are the best way that we can achieve that goal. And therefore, by extension, the things in life that make us happy. Boom. So long story short, just to build on what you said, right? Best way to determine success is to figure out what it looks for you. Write it the hell down if you want to. Write the bullet points down, right? And then work back from there. Yeah. Couldn't agree more, man. Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> boom. Boom. Mayday, you've been so flipping generous with your time today. Any parting words of wisdom? Thank you so much for coming on. Um, parting words of wisdom no I think you just said it there I think happiness um, you know I've, the thing that makes me happiest in my life is you know seeing my my, fa- my family grow my family thrive and actually there is one thing that I do like to sort of finish with um, I'm, I'm building this up now so it better be good but um, anybody can be anything that they want to be that's some, that's like the biggest thing in my life it's again you know like it's seismic I didn't realise it don't let your situation limit what you can be. It doesn't matter what you are, who you are, the color of your skin, you know, the accent that you've got, you know, your hair color, you can be anything. And I think ultimately that's my big thing, you know, to just empower people. Um, obviously, um, as a young black man, um, I found it challenging at times. I did, I'm not going to lie, but actually it didn't mean that I couldn't do it. One of the things I do realize though, for anybody is that you often need to see somebody that, kind of looks or sounds or yeah you know talks a little bit like you to make you realize it's possible so you know both for you know young women you know to be successful in business or for men you know I just wanted to sort of leave with that with that sort of mindset that you can be whatever you want to be and I think once people realize that you can do it it might be hard but it's possible I think it's quite an empowering thing I'm vibing with that media I'm feeling the flipping love bro thank you so much (laughs) was awesome thank you so much dude dude we're gonna end it right there much love my man we'll catch up really soon thank you so much bro cheers bye if you enjoyed this podcast please hit follow or subscribe so you can stay up to date with information on new podcasts which are released weekly please also feel free to leave a positive review so others can learn about this podcast and benefit from it I would also encourage any fans of the podcast to sign up to the free Facebook community from which the podcast originated. Please search Dentists Who Invest on Facebook and hit join to become part of a community of thousands of other dentists interested in improving their finances, well-being and investing knowledge. Looking forward to seeing you on there.